Hello, welcome to the I Am The Code podcast. I'm your host, Mariam Jam. I am so delighted to have you listen to the I Am The Code podcast every week. Thank you for your loyalty and your support. It means a lot to all of us here at I Am The Code. We have some wonderful news we want to share with you. I Am The Code has partnered with UN Women in Africa. This is huge, massive for the team. UN Women started supporting us in 2016 when we did our first ever hackathon in Senegal. I remember just starting the organization and they jumped in and said, we're going to support you in Senegal. I remember going there, my country, when nobody actually believed in our mission. People used to tell me, are you sure you want to do this? Are you sure you understand what you're doing? One million women and girls coders? Oh, wow, that's a very small number. And then I remember people saying to me, you know, why don't you just feed the girls? You know, African girls are so poor. Just give them food rather than teach them technology. And I was so shocked to hear that. People used to tell me this literally on the street. And I was like, wow, just let me do my work. I will make sure one million women and girls learn how to code 10 years from now. They did not believe it. And at that time, the United Nations just set the agenda for 2030. And I'm so happy that we are here today. We are five years on, five years on. We are working very hard to make sure girls across the world are learning coding, but also they're gaining digital skills. One of the things I always say to people, sometimes it takes one single person to believe in you. One person. Let me say this one more time. It takes one single person to believe in you and you are gone. That's it. Just like my guest this week, Ada Osakwe. She is a Nigerian economist, an entrepreneur, a food lover, my sister, the founder and the CEO of AgroLev Ventures, beautiful woman. I just love Ada so much. We spent so much time together in Kakumo Refugee Camp in a tent. When we had to wake up every morning to do our makeup, but at the same time, do some gym. She taught me in a jungle, in the middle of a jungle, how to keep fit. She bought all her gym equipment, weights, I was like, Ada, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, it's really fantastic. Her organization is an agribusiness investment company based in Nigeria. She invests in African agricultural uh, food-related companies. I just love what she does. One of the things I love about women like Ada, they are strong, they're hustlers, they work so hard to make the world a better place. I really hope you will enjoy my conversation with Ada because she's a top woman, my sister, my friend. I just love her very much. I will see you on the other side. I am so excited, ladies and gentlemen, to have my dear friend. Ada, how are you doing? I'm good, Mary. I'm great to be here, finally. Finally. <laughs> I'm really excited you are here. <laughs> I'm excited too. There are two things that I will always remember about you is um, you and I had the chance and, and the privilege to go to Kakuma Refugee Camp in Kenya. And uh, and you were almost the leader, the spokesperson of the group. <laughs> and um, you spoke so well. I was like, oh my God, I didn't know you very well then. And um, But you spoke so well for the team and um, this eloquence and this, this, this oratory you had was just really amazing. Second thing is just you are amazing businesswoman, right? You, um, um, when I think about Deliveroo and you know and Uber Eat, I always think about you. <laughs> so you know, I said I always think about you. I said this is gonna be Ada one day. <laughs> anyway, so um, welcome to the I Am the Code podcast. Welcome. Uh, thank you so much, Mariam. It's it's great to be here. I love what you do. You're really 
and truly an inspiration. Um, so, so thank you for having me here. And thanks for your words. Kakuma was a great time, wasn't it? You know? It was, it was. It was really amazing. <laughs> how are you doing? How is the lockdown and how are you coping? We're pushing. We're pushing. I think the worst, um, my hope is that the worst is over. You know, last year was, it, sometimes it's like a dream. Did that really happen? Are we still going through what we're going through? But hey, we, we push. We're finding ways to live, trying to be careful. Really thankful that I haven't fallen sick. But obviously, I've known people who have and, and obviously people who've passed. So it's a sad time. But um, I'm just so thankful. My heart is filled with so much gratitude that I'm still living and living to keep doing the work that we've been placed here to do. And are you in Nigeria now? I am in Lagos, Nigeria. Yes. Oh, wow. One of the other things I, I think that people, many people may not know about you, you're kind of like a very reserved person as well. Do you mind just telling our girls and boys, you know, where did you grow up and what did you study? Where did you go to school? Would you mind sharing a little bit? Sure. So I'm right here at home, Lagos, Nigeria, where I was born um, many years ago. <laughs> and um, it's in West Africa. Um, we're an English-speaking nation, but obviously have about over 200 other ethnic groups that are local to us, languages that are local to us. I grew up here as a teenager. It was just a fantastic time to, to be a, a child, I think, in Nigeria. Uh, we had come out of independence. You know, my parents were pretty much middle class, um, a middle class family, just two people in love who were building their family and, and really taking each step at a time of trying to get jobs. And my dad is a lawyer. My mom is a lawyer. My mom worked with the civil service. So we're just a really simple family. I think for, for my parents, maybe the, the paramount thing for them was everything to do with one education, make sure these children have a great education. And the secondly was just to have strong values, values of integrity, values of kindness, so my brother, my sister, and I were raised in that environment. I'm the middle child. I'm a first girl. And some people have some views on first daughters. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe I do feel that maybe some of my temperament and stuff, definitely, you know, those views aren't far off. You know, I'm quite that strong-minded person who usually tries to take charge because I had a younger sister to take care of. And it's usually you that they call for everything. Ada, why did you let your sister burn herself? Ada, why did you let your, give that to your sister? <laughs> have a sense of responsibility from day one, you know, even as a child. And that's really what was happening in my, in my own um, childhood. And it was just, yes, middle class. So we could, I talked about education being strong for my family, for my parents. So we went to some of the best schools right here in Nigeria. And when it came time for university, um, I decided to go to the UK. My parents decided to send me out to the UK and I moved out to London and then went to school up north in Hull where I went to university. And yeah. But Hull, Hull was, it's, it's, it's so far away from Nigeria. <laughs> it is so far away. <laughs> um, so did you travel a lot? When I was a child? Yeah. Not really. It was just like special, maybe two or three times mom took us on summer holidays to London or to Paris, to Euro Disney. Um, otherwise, we were pretty much based um, in, in Lagos, in Nigeria. And my mom traveled a lot for work. So she would come back with all the gifts and all the 
fancy um, stationery that we could go to school and pose with. Let's say when Disney came out with Aladdin, I had an Aladdin flask, Aladdin pen, and I'd go to school. And That's why you so are happy. very cultural, aren't you? <laughs> you are very cultural. <laughs> feel so happy. So yeah, it was fun times growing up. And I'm, I'm just so thankful for the family I was blessed to be given. <laughs> oh, wow. It's really amazing. You know, one of the things I was saying earlier that I love about you is your uh, you know, ambition, you always dress nice, you're very classy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I remember when we went to Kakuma, you kind of like bought all of the gym stuff. Say, Mariam, come on, we're going to have some gym. And I remember we met in New York. It's like, I don't what? <laughs> <laughs> yes, in the wilderness, in the where there were lions and stuff, we were going for a run. <laughs> Miriam, let's go. Oh, Ada. Oh, your lovely makeup and your love, you know, the eyeliner was blue to match your blue dress and your lovely jewelry. Can you remember, we had, a, we, had a, we had a hat together, right? Oh. <laughs> yes, we did. We shared, we shared. We shared a hat together. But we had to keep we had to keep beautiful, right? For the for the lions. <laughs> oh my gosh, we're African women. We have to oh. But where did you get your confidence from? You know, you 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 say you're a bit shy, but I think you also have this like power in you. Where, where did you get that from? Your mom or dad? Yes, I am. I could be shy, but I think for me, when it comes to, I must feel like when I'm pushed and I know it's a situation that I have to speak up, I do speak up. I find that voice. Um, so in my business, I find the voice to speak with my team and to inspire them and to motivate them. And so obviously when they don't do great things, I tell them <laughs> they're not doing great things. When they do great things, I, I compliment them. Um, you know, and I find that over time, it's, my, my mom is a strong person. She's a strong woman. Um, my dad is too. So I think it's just, you know, to answer your question definitively, it's maybe growing up, it, it's, the confidence came from the environment I, I grew up in, mm, mm. where we were encouraged to speak. We asked questions. Um, we were comfortable in, in, in ourselves. We were not a very rich family, but because we went to some of the best schools that I mentioned, um, we went to schools that my friends in school would, they would travel every summer on holiday. They were going all over the world, even at eight years old, 12 years old, um, they had nice cars coming to pick them up and drop them off at school. They lived in big homes. We were very simple. Um, you could tell that my parents were just taking it day by day to afford the schools we were going to. So having those sorts of friends, we had to be very confident. You know, when you can come home and say, mommy, um, my friend had, she got a new bag, a new backpack, and it's so beautiful. I wish I had one. And my parents would say, well, be satisfied with the one you have. Does it not carry your books? Is it not good? You know, so, so very early on, that, that focus on contentment um, mm -hmm. translated into a level of me going back. And even if a friend has that and they're showing it off, I could still be, I would still be very confident in what I had. So, you know, it's interesting to, to have this conversation, Miriam, because I don't think I've ever thought that deeply into it of, of where that came from. But I, mm. I feel like that, that aspect truly played a big role um, in, in developing my sense of self, in developing in that level of confidence, because my parents let me know that I was, I was whole, that I was enough, that I had enough. And once you get to that level of satisfaction, that level of contentment, I believe confidence comes with that. 
No, absolutely. I mean, I, I definitely noticed that. And I think that's why I love you very much, because you not only you are changing the, you know, the food industry in, in Nigeria, but also, you know, you holding your yourself so well. Um, I've noticed that at the World Economic Forum, you and I both are lucky to be um, young global leaders, but also within our network. I've really seen, you know, I always said to young girls, you know, sometimes we just see people, we don't know who they are. And, and, and but you, you've done so many so many things and you had so many accolades across the world but you are still you are still yourself which i really love as well but one of the thing one of the thing i was going to ask you as well you know how how is the food industry and and how is your voice being heard in uh, in the food industry in your country and how is your business can you tell the girls what you do sure um so i i wear two hats i started two companies at the same time one is called agrolay um, that invests in young people's businesses. So I actually put money into somebody who says they have a great business idea and they're already showing that they're committed to it. So if I like it, I would invest to give them support and give them the financial power to move it forward. Um, but I also have a company called Newly, and Newly is a food company that manufactures um, beverages and has a retail chain. And we're really just building brands that make people happy. And why is it happiness that we focused on while we're talking about food? We just think food is such a special, people have special relationships with food. And, and I, I was just motivated to be able to bring that forward through our business, through Newly. Um, but doing it myself, rolling up my sleeves and actually building from scratch so that when I'm investing in other people's businesses, I now know what it like it takes to be on the other side, right? And be an entrepreneur building it. So I think that for me was a big part of the motivation of starting the business. So we buy uh, all that we serve in our food. We buy it locally right here in Nigeria. We buy it from farmers. And Miriam, the reason we do that was just to change the narrative. You know, I had worked in government and I was working and in public policy when I worked with the federal government of Nigeria. And I was seeing how Nigeria was spending at the time over $11 billion annually importing food. And it was food that was already, <laughs> that we could actually grow in Nigeria. We had so much land, we have people, we have young people, smart people that could um, put their talents to work. We had so many smallholder farmers. So why weren't we producing these things locally? And why is it that at the end of the day, we were giving our money to others, whereas our people were suffering. So I felt that being able to start a food company that was using only what we grow locally, what our farmers were growing, buying from them, not importing things, um, and, and adding value through the products we make, like juices, fresh juices, like wraps and, and things that we do in our restaurant, and providing it at an affordable price. I thought it was just the way to address this, and I'm really glad that's mm -hmm. what we've done. A final piece of that is the fact that we buy locally, the fact that we focus on fresh, natural, grown agriculture is the fact is the it means that it's it's highly nutritious. Mm -hmm. um, Nigeria, in many ways, um, and many parts of Africa, we have really high rates of malnutrition, and and that's when we don't have the right nutrients growing up or or even in our daily activities um, to make sure that we have a balanced, healthy lifestyle. So we focus on providing these natural foods, healthy foods, so that we can, at the end of the day, have a healthier nation. Uh, I was going to ask you about the, the food and the way you really, 
invested in you know sustainable development goals zero hunger no poverty but also you employ local people you know as i said earlier you you've been advising government across africa uh, to really invest into food and and this is really fascinating because when i was growing up as a young girl i only had one meal a day i was saying this to my son the other day you know how important it is to eat you know nutrient food uh, our girls in kakuma they have one meal a day through the world food program you know what advice do you have right now for all of these organizations uh, us as africans not being healthy what is your advice as a, as a, as somebody who really knows about this industry you know my my advice is that we the same way we talk about leapfrogging technologies and the fact that africa is well positioned to leapfrog like what we saw in the telecoms boom and the fact that we could adopt new technologies and not have to do older ones that were used in the west is the same narrative we should have when we talk about healthy foods and food that's right here on our soils in africa and why do i say this the the many parts of the west um we know the damage that some of the types of the ways we provide and we we process foods has had on the population obesity high blood pressure certain forms of cancer all caused by poor nutrition that you find in many of the processed foods that is so readily available to everyone so when it comes to africa rather than trying to encourage those companies who perpetrate those types of processed foods let's instead encourage better for you healthier for you foods that are local and grown um right there in africa so let us leapfrog in the food space as well um it shouldn't be about profits it should be about health it shouldn't be about profits it should be about what's good for us So so that's the message I have and and just to sort of tie it in and bring it into relevant times Maryam you think about what's going on today with the pandemic we have the health pandemic and you, you just you hear a little bit about oh yeah you know make sure your immune system is strong and this that that but why aren't we hearing enough about fighting this disease with mm. better nutritious foods why aren't we hearing governments talking about giving everyone free vitamin C shots mm. um to make sure their immune system was ready to to fight this disease you know touch wood i haven't been sick and i really thank god for that but i know i live a healthy lifestyle i eat well i have highly nutritious foods um we i drink the juices from our store which is all natural Um, I wish we could have them in the UK by the way. <laughs> I'm, I'm desperate for good things. <laughs> so so for me I, I that that is my message. Let's look inwards. Let's push the story of of locally grown better for you agriculture produce in in our food system. But you know the reason why I wanted to have you on this podcast is also, you know, th- th- your knowledge you know uh, for me the, the podcast is all about people who have knowledge and expertise and we had so many amazing people on the podcast and it's so important the message you're just saying telling us right now in the UK we are spending money on carrots on juices on vitamins and it's so expensive it's not everyone who can afford it as well and 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 so you know it's really unbelievable so do you think that your message is um is being listened to by by the governments and by Africans No not really no so like you said 
access to these things, sometimes it, it's, it's quite expensive, especially when you live in urban areas. If you're in the village and stuff, you know, right there in your backyard, you can grow some of these things and that's the lifestyle you have. But the problem is that with more urbanization, which is what we see in countries like Nigeria and increasingly across Africa, um, people tend to go into more processed products and they want to hit the 20 million population in Lagos or the 200 million population in Nigeria as a whole. So being able to create products that are with lots of additives that are not good for us, lots of preservatives um, that use artificial products to make them is big for, is, is critical, again, so that they can make profits. So that's what we, we have to change. And then the flip side is that if you then have the healthier things in these urban areas, they're now more expensive because there's a premium. So at Newly, the fact that we can buy locally grown produce and the fact that we're so deliberate about making sure that these healthier foods are affordable for the everyday urban dweller, we have a market of, and we are trying to change accessibility for better nutritious um, foods in urban areas. It's really amazing. I think what I what I also like about you, I mean, I go on the website and go on your Instagram and your Facebook and check all the wraps. <laughs> I check them <laughs> up. You know, I love the kitchen. I love the colors. I really do. You know, it's like, oh my God, I wish I had a newly chef just in my house right now. It's really beautiful. Congratulations. Honestly, it's really fantastic. That led me to inclusion, right? So whatever you're doing right now, you are hiring local people. You know, I, I heard you make your own salad or all of your own food. So what do you think about uh, inclusion? You know, our, our podcast series is all about rebuilding inclusion and making sure, you know, we, we give food. Food is such a precious thing. Food is so precious in Africa. You know, it's so amazing. We love food. You know, we want to talk about food, especially in Nigeria. You know, how how can we build inclusion in, in just making sure every single person have access to vitamins and fibers and all of the stuff we're eating and taking for granted? Oh, it's a great, great topic that you're bringing to the forefront, Maryam. Um, inclusion, um, equity is, is paramount. In, and I think food is such a powerful, powerful tool to, to ensure that, that these are achieved um, in many ways. You know, think about, I, I kind of bring it home to when I worked in the African Development Bank, back in Tunisia. The ADB is like the World Bank. We provide an, a development finance to all the 53 African nations. So the representation within the bank in terms of employees is that many people from different African countries. And I think about the fact that it was only when I went to Tunisia, worked at the African Development Bank that I knew that what I called dodo or plantain and I, what I grew up with, one of my favorite meals, was also called aluko in, in Côte d'Ivoire. Um, Guinea Conakry as well, right? Aluko, yeah. Conakry as well. So, but I just had no clue. Yeah, Côte d'Ivoire is just next to us, you know, so there in West Africa. But this was a level of affinity. Wow, you know, I could meet my Ivorian friends and say, wow, you know, you love Dodo. Yes, I love Aluko. So, so it just has a way of creating these conversations and breaking down barriers. The jollof rice Nigerian stole from us, by the way. The jollof rice. <laughs> the jollof rice. 
There's a copyright issue with the jollof rice, Ada. <laughs> but I feel like in many ways, what we are trying to do in Nuli, you know, you think about the menu we have. Um, we use cassava flour for our waffles and, and our wraps, the bread we use for our wraps. But the way we make the wraps is, is the way the Indians make their wraps, um, naan, using the naan bread. So we make our own bread in that form. But in many ways, you think about it, Kenya also has a similar, the chapati and And this just allows you to have these conversations and allows better acceptance of, of, of our difference, of people who are, you may think are different, but we have these commonalities in many ways. And, and food is, is just one of those symbols that does that. Uh, and finally, as I think about the approach we have at Nudi, I mentioned that it's farm to table. We work closely with farmers. We work with young farmers as well, making sure that they have Um, sustainable businesses, sustainable uptake of, of their produce coming into buying from them. That in itself is, it's just our way of ensuring there's equity, ensuring there's proper inclusion in the agriculture, in the supply chain for us, in the value chain that we deal with. So it's a very deliberate effort. And, and I think that it's something that we need to keep pushing and ensuring that maybe other people adopt similar I'm very excited about 2021 because if you take it further than just food and kind of the way we're looking at the supply chain, as I mentioned, but we're looking at inclusion in terms of ownership of business as well. I'm truly passionate about women business owners. Um, I'm a woman. I know what it's been like to build a business from scratch. I know the prejudices. I know some of the things I have gone through. Obviously, thankfully, my background, thankfully, The confident nature you spoke of, Miriam, has helped me push forward. But also the knowledge, Ada, the knowledge. You have the knowledge. Finally, you and do. the knowledge. And of course, the knowledge has helped me move forward. But, you know, you find that sometimes, even with knowledge, with all of this, there are times that just because of my gender, there are things that are stumbling blocks. And I don't want that to be the case for mm. other young people coming after me. I know it's a difficult thing to build a business and be an entrepreneur, There are financing challenges or access to finance. There's a lot. We need more financial inclusion for women in business. Um, it's usually, especially in the agriculture space or food space, you find that you know, men are two times as likely to get financing for their business than women. You know, we have to change this. Mentorship, access, just general access. The fact that you know someone, I know how that has helped me in my business. The fact that I know the owner of a place and I can say, hey, can you put my juices in your store? Many people don't have that access. So I want to bring that all together to allow for women to have that access. So we now have a program, a program we're launching this first quarter called the Newly Amazons Program. We oh, want wow. to raise Amazons. We want to raise Amazons female entrepreneurs mm. um, through joint venture partnerships. So 90% of our joint venture partners will be women. So basically they can own. And I want my girls to be part of that. Other, you know? I would love that. <laughs> you know, so by being part of this, they become, they're part of this ecosystem of a brand, a business that has already done the hard work. So they're just part of that from immediately and they can start selling from day one. But the mentorship they will get from me and others in my network, like you, Miriam, the, the access they would get from the fact that we are part of the WEF community, we're part of, you know, it's just the schools we've gone to, the people we know, the financing, because of our networks and because of what we've done, we have the ability to pull 
financing to support them. Um, so, but ultimately, the fifth aspect for me is just the ownership. Yes, ownership and scalable ownership. You sometimes hear of how a lot of women in Africa entrepreneurs. Many times, it's informal sector entrepreneurship. This is formal sector. But secondly, they could be entrepreneurs today, but by tomorrow, if you go and do that data again, that person has fallen off because they didn't have support and they had to close that business. So being part of something that allows them to have a sustainable business and create wealth, create wealth for the long term. So I'm very excited about you do a lot of work around investment and you have a you have the network of investors, you know, behind you. But the other thing I was going to ask you is, you know, you mentioned about the Amazon, the newly Amazons. Um, can we buy your products on Amazon at all? Not yet. No, not yet. There's not. Amazon. We should do that. We should really find a way to get your product on Amazon. That'll be so awesome. <laughs> once we're in the UK, maybe once we're in the yeah. US soon. I mean, because it's really a good brand. I mean, I always think about um the other thing, you know, I was I've been thinking about it the other day about food and tech. You know, I'm a technologist, I love food and tech. But are you are you thinking about you know developing your business more into the tech industry, like become the next delivery? I wish that. <laughs> So I have invested, if you look at Agrolay, Agrolay has invested in a few companies that I hope will be the next deliveries, companies like Star Kitchens, companies like um, Shop Shop. We're very excited about the, the entrepreneurs we partner with. But I believe technology is at the fulcrum of everything. And technology enables the growth that we tend to achieve, um, the phenomenal growth, the path to that phenomenal growth. So we try to infuse technology to support our business in every way. Obviously, we have online ordering. And if you have a look at our online ordering page, many people say, wow, just the flow of yeah, You have amazing reviews, right? I love the reviews. Thank you. The way we thought about the, 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 the user experience, the UI, the UX on our online ordering was specifically because of this. So technology is at the core. The way we work within the team and the tools we use, that's why even when the lockdown happened, we were very... <laughs> things just sort of continued because communication tools, um, leveraging technology, um, uh, planning tools, we were already doing that. So I'm really excited. And of course, if you go down to the production level, you know, we're about to potentially invest in ba some backward integration on the production side with some young farmers and even just the tools they're using to lever leveraging technology to, to ensure that they have better harvests. Is something that I'm really excited about. Do you, do you know if the, the takeaway business in Nigeria, is it picking up? Yeah, but, you know, we're not on a full lockdown. You know, the only lockdown we had was at least 100% lockdown was in April last year. So since then, you know, we're, in a, we're an economy that's quite poor. So yeah. people depend on that day-to-day -day earnings. So the lockdown was in many ways, the policymakers knew that it wasn't a sustainable thing. The government wasn't able to give anybody checks to stay at home. There was no following of workers. So we've all been sort of back to the hustle, um, yep. obviously wearing masks and all of that. So in many ways, um, that's sort of how we're trying to push the business. But And I say that because we, we are seeing a return to people coming in to sit in the cafes. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we have all the right protocols in place. And people are picking up a lot. Um, but yes, deliveries continue to rise, but it's still a big mix. 
it's really fascinating. You know, the COVID what COVID nineteen has done, especially in the UK, we now ordering quite a lot online because we you know we are all locked down and we need to get in. But when you think about you know the next couple of years for your business, uh, which part of the business do you think you would like to grow and and you know what sort of support do you need from the world, for example? It's a great question. I, I the reason why I went into this business in many ways was because I wanted to create that market for our farmers, for our local produce, what we grow here. Let's be that business that's buying, that's creating a, a strong brand in the process. So I would love to continue scaling up. We had to close a few stores because of COVID and the impact of COVID, but we've started reopening and trying back on our growth path. I hope to reach 100 locations in the next two years so that we take this brand Forward. But the important thing there is that word brand. I, I want to look back and know that we built a food brand and a food brand that people love. I want to look back and know that we built a food brand indigenously here in Nigeria, right here in Africa. And we took it to the streets of London. We took it to DC. We took it to Chicago. We took it to California. And people up there get to have a taste of Africa because newly now exist. One other thing I was saying when we started the podcast is your confidence, your beauty. And I wanted you to come to the podcast because, like I said, I really wanted the girls growing up across the world and in Africa to hear a woman in business in the food industry in Africa. This is so tough, you know, Ada. It's really tough, your work, because not only you are trying to educate your people to eat well, uh, but also you're trying to take care of their well-being by having a, a business that needs to be profitable. So when you think about all of the stuff you've been doing for the last couple of years in running this business and making sure you stay up your game and competing with other businesses across the world, but feeding your people so they can eat well, especially the African middle class in Nigeria. We don't eat very well. Even in Senegal, yeah. I see that. Um, you know, what can we do to increase the well-being of our people? Not just with good food, but the juice you're making, you know, making sure you're talking about this. I've seen you in many, many conferences where you talk about agriculture and food. What is what is your what what can we do? You know, I'm really concerned about the, the global workforce, our health. You know, I'm really concerned about this. Do you have do you have any tips, anything you can share with us? I'm concerned too, Maryam. And I'm glad that on a global scale, be it World Bank, be it foundations, large foundations, they're talking about how we transform our food systems. They're talking about issues around nutrition. They are talking about this and, and some are doing. So I think we need to continue those conversations on the right platforms. But more importantly, we need to show other models that are scalable and many models that are private sector led. I'm private sector. I'm an entrepreneur doing what I'm doing. Imagine if I had the force and the, the support of, of some large institutions from a policy side and, and just to, to keep scaling this up in ways that makes sense because we're touching every part of the food system and we're dealing with the, the supply chain, with elevating poverty, creating jobs, giving better health through better nutrition. So I think that it just has to be front and center every time. Um, I never miss an opportunity to talk about the opportunity, to talk about the problem and the solutions out there. And we just have to have more, a lot more voices. It shouldn't just be something that's uh, nice to say or it's just by the way 
you know, I keep saying, <laughs> I speak on some panels and I, I uh, platforms and I talk about the fact that if my name was newly tech, <laughs> maybe my valuation <laughs> would be <a> more. <laughs> you know, setting things that are sexy and tech is sexy, but it's yeah. hard. But in many ways I say, it, but tech needs the things to work, right? The things that you think are plain vanilla mm. in many ways. And the tech is, is layered on that to make it work even better. So let's not forget the folks um, who are just building, making juices <laughs> and who are just building, building a chain of cafes. You know? I know, I know. So, it's really amazing yeah. you said that. You know, the other thing I was going to, I wanted to touch before we finish is your philanthropy work. When we started I Am The Code in Japan, we were in Japan together and our dear sister together, uh, Biola Alabi, you know, collected money for us and said, we, we, we need to support I Am The Code. And and I remember you participated, sending me money. But also every time I was going to Kakuma, I remember we were struggling to have uh, flight tickets to go and help these young girls. You you showed up and participated and, and, and sponsored us. I just want to talk about this side of you. Where did you get this? Um, humanity, uh, you know, this this helping people, supporting your friends. And uh, I was the other day I was recording one of our common friend, uh, Susanna Roche, uh, you know, the the athlete, the, oh. the, the, the Paralympian, and she talks so beautifully about you. So I said, "Are you you're having on you coming on the podcast? Where did this come from? This this beautiful, the humanity piece of you, your philanthropy oh, work. I know you don't like talking about it, but I, I have know. to." <laughs> Put me on the spot. Um, first of all, thank you. Thank you for even just giving me the opportunity to to be part of what you the, the beautiful, wonderful work you do. Um, Miriam, I don't know where it, it it's obviously something I, I don't talk about, like you said, but it comes from a, a deep place, you know. I definitely want to treat people the way um I want to be treated, and, and that's what motivates me to support um, certain causes. Maybe it goes back to what we spoke about at the beginning, you know, my childhood and my upbringing. My parents raised me to, to be good. My parents raised me to, to have remorse when I did something bad and, and to celebrate when we did something good, not just for ourselves, but celebrate with others. So maybe it's that upbringing as well and, and just having some values that makes me kind of react to things that I feel are unjust or react to things in ways that can help others. But like you said, it's quite personal, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I, I try to live it. I try to live it in the way I build my business, the way I treat the people I work with who work with me who, who have taken this journey with me. I don't mm-hmm. take it for granted. Every single person from the dispatch riders who deliver stuff between our outlets and our factory to the newly champs who are at the front desk every day working with customers to those who are making our meals and wrapping, making our juices. Everybody's treated with a lot of respect um, and, and we're building a business that, that truly cares. The reason why I want to ask you these questions because you and I, we are privileged. We have everything we need. And um, I think what COVID-19 has demonstrated is that now we, we're all home, we're all working, you know, we're all, all the same, going through the same issues. 
And I think that's why I wanted people to know the other side of you, the the part that you are a really kind person. That's why I just wanted to have you on a podcast because you do you are doing so many things behind the scenes that people don't even know about. And I will always, always remember and I will always be grateful for you showing up for I am the code. You have showed up for us. And and I just want people to know about that. And but the other thing I was gonna ask you before we finish, how how are you dealing with your mental health right now? What are you doing on a daily basis? Do you have any tips for the girls? Great question, um, and it's something to just bring to light. And thank you for that. We we all really need to to guard our our mental health preciously, and and advise the girls to do that. There are times you may feel down. You know, just earlier this week, I I came home and I nearly burst into tears because I was just stressed out. You know, building a business in a country that doesn't have everything, we don't have light all the time and you're trying to make sure that the refrigerators are cold. And I was just quite stressed out. I was, I felt down. And that this, this happens from time to time. But um, I know to take a deep breath. <laughs> I know to be surrounded by people who love me or to remember that there are people out there who love me. So and who are rooting for me to succeed. And so these are the thoughts I put in my head to, to snap me out of, of things. And, and I really guard my time preciously. Mariam, you mentioned we, we tend to go out and speak on conferences. People want us to, to book us to, to do things. And people always want so much from you sometimes. So I know how to put the boundaries. Um, and this helps me. And Specifically on the mental side, I had to get to a stage where I didn't feel guilty about it because that guilt gives added pressure mentally. So it's when you realize that mm. you're taking care of your space yeah. and, 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 and it's allowed to be it selfish sometimes, to be selfish of your mind, to be selfish of your, for your own peace of mind as long as you, you have a good balance and you, you, you allow people to know this. But but those are some of the things that I think about in, in the ways I approach guarding my mental health. When you think about everything you've done, I know you're still young, but if you reflect on everything you've been doing so far, what would you say to the youngest other? <laughs> what would I say to my young other? Oh, I would say, I think in some ways I actually say, whoa, girl, did you do that? <laughs> Well done, you know, because <laughs> sometimes, you know, you, I knew that I was, I wanted to do well in school or I knew that I, I wanted to make impact one way or the other, put up my hand and, and raise my hand and be called. I knew that, but I didn't know how far that would take me. I never had the ambition to be a name that was maybe known in agriculture, in circles or, or within my circles. I didn't have plans to be a convocation speaker at my alma mater last year. You know, it's so I look back and I would say that aspect of well done. If I was to look back and say, was that things I would do differently? <laughs> Miriam, I'll learn how to code. <laughs> technology is the future. You've been spending a lot of money on technology and people. <laughs> 
exactly. I know, I learned I how to code, and I learned maybe to know how to write up legal agreements. Oh, you know, <laughs> the the government. It was so funny. I saw the tax things. <laughs> I I love just watching your fight with them. <laughs> But it's good they yeah. do listen. Do they do they do make changes afterward? You know. Mm-hmm. Two more bonus questions for you. So, what what is love for you? I know you're a very loving person. You love your parents and your your family. What what is love for you? Love, <laughs> love, um, in many ways is 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 just being able to release. It's being able to embrace things, something or someone, in ways that maybe you can't even express it. There's no explanation, but you're embracing it. Love, in many ways, is respect. Love in many ways is accepting others um in the way you would accept yourself how you treat yourself what you think about yourself being able to express that in in how you relate with with others it's lovely the way you you describe it it's it's really it's really lovely and you have one more And then this is this is this is going to be very easy. What is food for you in in two words? What is food? Happiness. Food is happiness. Wonderful. <laughs> well, Ada Oswake, thank you so much for coming to the I am the Code podcast, my sister. I love you deeply and thank you so much for everything you do thank for you, the world. Thank you, my love. Thank you. Like I said earlier, it takes one single person to believe in you and off you go. Do not let anybody in this world tell you that you cannot do it or you cannot become your own boss. You can invent, you can create solutions that can change lives. I am the code. I know it's hard. We will get 1 million women and girls to learn how to code by the year 2030. I am doing a service to humanity. These young women and girls in 2030, they'll be working for you, for your company. So start investing now because we are not giving up at I am the code. I'm often underestimated. Like Martin Luther King said, Black History Month is another occasion for people to be educated about the power of black women. We have done so much for humanity. It's time for people to respect us, understand us, give us an opportunity and give us a space, a seat at the table. Black women are powerful. Black women are powerful. Let's learn from each other. Let's be more inclusive and change our behavior and learn more. You have been listening to the I Am The Code podcast. I'm your host, Mariam Jam. I am so delighted to talk to you every single week. Join me very soon for another I Am The Code episode. Like I always said, we're a very, very small team dedicated in creating content and making the world a better place for people to be inspired, be better, and do better. We want to make sure the content you are listening to right now is for you, is free. Use it for yourself. I will see you another week. I will see you soon. Thank you so much for tuning in, and thank you for being my friend. Thank you, and goodbye.